Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is Michael Huang. Michael is the president and co-founder of UPlus Academy, an autism center in Nanjing, China. With a background in IT, Michael describes the moment when he discovered he could utilize his multimedia technologies to help children with autism. It was fascinating to learn about the ways he and his staff are using 3D mapping rooms to teach communication and generalization in the natural environment. The Global Autism Project partnered with UPlus in January 2019. Since then, we have sent three Skill Corps volunteer teams to provide clinical training to their teachers. We have also created an authorization curriculum to administer the six courses required by the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. Earlier this year, we learned of the impact the coronavirus was having on our partners in China. We immediately scheduled video calls and closely worked together to create solutions for their students in quarantine. Now, three months after they were forced to close their centers, Michael shares the current situation in his region, as well as his determination to not lay off any of his staff amidst the crisis. By offering online parent training, the staff at UPlus have motivated parents to transition to home programming. They even created an app for parents to track their children's progress. In this episode, discover what's possible when innovative technology empowers parents to interact with their children in new, creative ways. You can find links to learn more about Michael and UPlus on our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. And now, I present you, Michael Huang. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hi, Rachel. Before we discuss the work you do, could you explain the attitudes and understanding of autism in China? Yes, because you know, China is a big country and also is a developing country. So that we have uh, uh, 1.4 billion people. And for the, according to our statistics, let's say 2014, that we have uh, 10 million people with uh, autism issue. And uh, there were about 2 million young kids, uh, young children. And uh, there will be... Uh, also, you know, every year that we have 17 million newborns in China. So it's just about 1% of them will be diagnosed for autism issue, but we will have, you know, a big number increase every year. So right now in China, there we have more and more people or parents or governments or some organizations to realize that we have some rights or we have a better and a better understanding of uh, what autism is. So most of the parents, once they find that uh, the child, they have a, something on Euro, uh, they will bring the child to hospital. So the doctors will give some suggestion or they can do some assessment and they can give some diagnosis, something like uh, the likage of uh, what kind of a uh, percentage or what kind of uh, possibility for the child to be uh, autism. So we can say there were more and more people uh, realized that autism is something uh, really affecting a lot of Chinese families. 
But the crazy thing is that because uh, right now uh, China is not, um, you know, we are just get more and more open, so uh, we can have a lot of communication with America, with some many uh, Western countries. So that people are just, uh, especially for some uh, teachers or therapists or doctors, they just uh, realize that there was some uh, therapy or treatment plans or some uh, good theories, something like ABA. Uh, will be helpful for the autistic children so that we have more and more people uh, just to be involved in the, the supporting to the Chinese families or those parents to give them help. And what age range are children being diagnosed? Well, right now, normally that will be from 18 months to maybe six years old or someone, even some um, parents, they bring the child to hospital at eight even. Because, you know, most parents, when they find that the child is something different, they don't want anybody to know that. So they want to hide it. So when you're going to enter kindergarten, or especially when you want to go to the uh, elementary school, the school will give you some assessment or give you some test. That's, that's the things happening in China. So maybe the teacher will deny your application. So you have to bring the child to hospital. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that parents don't want to reveal that their child has autism. Is there still a stigma in the community? Well, yes, because China is still a very traditional country, especially for our culture. It's not like something, you know, if you have something wrong or if your child has some problem or not as good as other children, normally the parents will not let others know. They will just try to show only the best uh, moment on their WeChat group or on their social media. You know, even in our uh, company that we also have some employees, uh, the, the, their child has some... Uh, as diagnosed with the autism issue. So the couple, I mean, uh, they have two uh, children. The one is a girl, another is a boy. But the brother has already been diagnosed for autism about, let's say, uh, even 10 years. So when they go outside for shopping or any time, so if they met some uh, friends, the father will leave immediately. We'll leave the mom and the boy right there, and the father will bring the daughter to somewhere else. So just pretend that they didn't know the boy. So we, we actually, you know, we merely see people uh, in, on social media say, okay, my son or my girl has the autism issue. They won't, they won't, normally, most parents, they won't let anybody know that. So parents are seeking out services for their children, but they're not yet willing to speak up no. and spread awareness. You're right. Yeah, but that, that's why we always just uh, keep, you know, trying to tell these uh, parents. Uh, so if you speak out, you can get more help. So if you just uh, try to hide it, you know, you will not feel happy for yourself that will be a big pressure on your shoulder every single day. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about how you're supporting parents at your center. But before we 
get there, I want to ask how you began working with this population. Yeah, that's a great question. Because my background is, uh, I'm almost an IT guy. So uh, we actually, me and my brother, we started our business from 2000 after I graduated. So our business was uh, just mainly in the multimedia programming uh, software, those kind of fields or system integration. Because we create a lot of things for the, uh, let's say, interactive technology, something like uh, interactive projection or something like multiple touch or 3D mapping. We apply those technologies to exhibition industry for the showrooms, for the museums, and also we created something for education purpose for some schools and centers. Mm-hmm. Could you describe a little bit more in detail of what one of those exhibitions would look like and how your technology is presented? Yeah, yes. Yeah, for example, especially for the museums, you know, because the traditional museum is just uh, use a post or some printing material to tell you a story, to tell you the history or something. But when we apply to multimedia technologies, we can make those material to be vivid. For example, when we introduce something like space, we can use the projectors to project on the both sides of the walls. And we just connect all the uh, images together. So when you stand in the center, you can feel like you're just in the universe and the room will be full dark. And so you can see how the star moves, uh, how the planet moves. And so you just like sitting in a spaceship. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's just one of the technologies. Because uh, we also have something like, uh, what do we call it, uh, interactive floor or interactive projection system. Uh, that could be a projection screen on the floor. It could be a fish pond. Uh, so when you step into the water, but the water is just an image projected from the projector. And then there will be waves under your feet. And so where you walk, and there could also be some fish uh, just swim around you. And when you try to step on the fish, the fish will swim away. So those kind of technologies will give you immersive experience. And that can also bring some uh, static traditional display to be interactive, to be immersive so uh, we just applied lots of those technologies to museums and also for exhibitions because many exhibitors, they want their booths to be attractive. So you use a big screens and use a multiple uh, touch screens. You use uh, some gesture control systems. Also, for recent years, there will also be virtual reality, augmented reality, or even mixed reality. So there are different technologies could be applied. So that's our business. Uh, that's still our business. But most of our clients are overseas clients. We actually have much more business outside China. So uh, we have some clients. We noticed that it's about maybe eight or seven years ago that we have some clients from some special education schools and also from some hospitals like Kaiser Permanente in San Diego mm-hmm. and also some education center from Estonia, from UK and also uh, from Japan. And at the very beginning, we just uh, noticed that there were some clients, they just uh, they bought our interactive projection products. They bought our multiple touch uh, program. So we just uh, thought they use those to entertain uh, children. That might be 
install that into the lobby only, so into the waiting area to calm down children or to give them some entertainment way. But when we do some research, we notice that they actually use the system in their therapy rooms. So they give they use those tools to give treatment to train children with autism. So because uh, we have uh, we also have an uh, company in America in Las Vegas because in Las Vegas there are a lot of shows every year. So we just did some research there as well. Uh, meanwhile, we also uh, did some research in China. The initial purpose to do this is just to explore whether there will be some business opportunities. Uh, but meanwhile, we just noticed that after we compare the uh, research results from America and from China, we just find a big impact to us because we just realized that the two countries, uh, children with, uh, or, or we can say not only children, but also for all the adults as well, uh, there will be a huge difference. Because in America, that most families they can get treatment from their insurance. Insurance yes. can cover maybe uh, part of the expense. And also, there are many BCBA, mm-hmm. there are many RBTs. But in China, uh, because we don't have such major in universities, we don't have applied behavior analysis, we, we don't have such lessons or course or major in China. So uh, it will be pretty hard for us to find something from the scientific research. So, but there's still a lot of people and more and more parents, they realize that the children need some professional treatment. But unfortunately, we don't have enough doctors, we don't have enough behavioral analysis, and we don't have enough uh, special education teachers. So the first thing we plan to do is that, uh, you know, if we can help some families it won't be a business. It's something that we can do it for quite a long time until someone can really heal the uh, autism. So we just uh, cooperated with a, a company called Realize Learning mm-hmm. because they have a RBT uh, curriculum and also it's an it's online system. So that would be very good for us to promote in China because we noticed that the first thing we need to do is to... Uh, educate as many teachers as we can to help those families because we need professionals in China. Right, yes. Yes, and uh, we also did a lot of work to translate everything under uh, BCBA's help and also some BCBAD's help uh, from Relaunce Learning and also from our side. We worked together to make it to be in Chinese. And so we just promote it and we give the free lessons to uh, 1,000 Chinese teachers. And uh, those teachers are mainly already being in this field. I mean, uh, they just work daily with uh, autistic children. Okay. So you were teaching them ABA strategies? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, at the very beginning, we give them for free. And uh, but later, we just noticed that, you know, if you give something free, people, they may think, okay, that's free. So I can learn it today. I can learn it tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, so that might not be, you know, not everybody will be on the same page or same path. To so uh, later, we, we just begin to charge, but that's another story. But, you know, when we just teach these uh, teachers in China, 
that we also notice that that might not be good enough. Uh, we can still do more. So we uh, begin to discuss with some uh, centers uh, to see whether we can work together to see whether we can import the professional or the some systematic uh, training system to uh, to China. We can we can try or we can see because for most Chinese autism centers they know ABA. But they still, uh, you know, argue a lot about uh, whether ABA will actually work. Mm-hmm. So we just want them to know what the real ABA is. Uh, that might not be happening in America, but that's happening here in China. So we just uh, sent, uh, we hired an American teacher and we sent an American teacher to China to work closely uh, on a daily basis with uh, Chinese teachers. And we just make a room. The room, what we call is a U plus Academy room in the center. So the first center, they have, a, they have about uh, 200 students. And we just serve five students in, in our small room. It's about a six by six meters. So it's, a, it's almost a 36 square meters room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we begin to teach those students. And we can see very positive feedback. And also, not only for the children, they got very good progress. And we can also see uh, parents' positive feedback. Mm-hmm. So that gives us more confidence to do. And also, that also gives uh, more confidence to the center. So we spent uh, six months with uh, this center. And uh, then we just moved to another center to increase the numbers so that we can help. So we helped then about 16 students in second center for another six months. So the reason for us to do that, because we still need to try it to make sure the ABA can actually work here in China. And the Chinese teachers, they can do that. So at the very beginning, for the first six months, the American teacher will just work hand by hand with the Chinese teachers. So for the second six months, we just asked the American teacher to be supervisor only and also give, give training. So we just uh, let the Chinese teachers to do everything. And we can also see very good uh, results, especially, you know, when one boy, he actually stayed in, the, in that center for two years but he still cannot pronounce a single word. And uh, he, he can't call his mom or his grandma who sent him to the center every day. And he cannot even let them know that he wants to be. So I can say that two years wasted in the center before. And so when the boy in our classroom, about one month, that he can. Uh, call his mom and he even can call his uh, grandma so yeah you know you know that feeling yeah the mother and the grandma they just you know thanked a lot to our teachers not only the american teacher but to the chinese teachers with tears on her face so that moment you know just uh, give us a strong feeling that we can actually make something meaningful or if we call it a business that we can make a meaningful business. 
that's not all the business can bring to you. Yeah, so that's give us not only the confidence, but also, you know, that's something you can put the rest of your life, your, your energy onto it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we realize that if we can make our own center, that will be even much better. So last year, we just built our own center in Nanjing. And now we also have center in different cities in Changzhou, in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And uh, also we have another center uh, this year, almost ready, just because of the coronavirus pandemic. So we just uh, delayed the opening date, but uh, next month, April, it's most likely that we will open a new center in another province. And we are also currently working with uh, some government officials to see whether we can even make some big story happen in China. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So in one year, you've opened how many centers? Three centers right now. Uh, the fourth center will be open in Song. Mm-hmm. And how many students do you have at each center? Uh, well, that's really varies. It's almost about 30 students in each center. Mm-hmm. And do you have a multimedia room at each center? What's the setup like? Right, yes. So that's part of our features. Mm-hmm. How do you use the technology to help the students? Like, What kind of programs do you do? And what environments do you set up? I, I can give some examples that might be better to understand that. Mm-hmm. In China, you know, when you just try to teach uh, mailing boys or girls to pronounce something or teach them language, the teachers themselves, they need to speak again and again and again. But, you know, also China is a big country, so we have a different uh, accent everywhere. Not every people can speak very good Chinese Mandarin, even for Chinese teachers. So that we create some program, so we record some audio. So when you click on the big touch screen, uh, you click on the picture like a mom, and then they will say mom in Chinese, and then you can drag the picture to an area, so you can even make your own sentences. Mm-hmm. So for the teachers, they, can, they don't have to speak it again and again, so they won't be too tired. And then they can save the time to observe better. And they can also, in this way, the child will just sit in front of the screen and the teacher will just touch the screen to teach the pronunciation. And uh, even for the child themselves, they can also try to drag or they can click by themselves. Mm-hmm. So in this way, we can also teach them whether they can follow your orders or we can even try to see whether they can learn by themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's also building fine motor skills by dragging and clicking. Oh, right. Yes. Yes, exactly. And another example is the 3D mapping room. Uh, in each center, we have one 3D mapping room. Because China is also, all the cities are very crowded. So it will be dangerous for you to bring the child to a hospital or to crossroad to test, to teach them what is dangerous for you or what kind of things you need to do or what we will meet, maybe in the park or somewhere else, or maybe on the beach. So... We use a 3D mapping room and we use a special camera. We just record some video in the downtown. And so we can just put everything back to our 3D mapping room. And then the teacher will let the child know that, you know, if you, uh, this is a traffic light and when it turns green, that you can walk. So when it turns red, uh, you should stop to wait. And uh, yeah, that's real image. That's a, so the that will just help 
the child to learn before we put them to the real dangerous world. Right, without any cars, and it looks like they're stepping on the street. Oh yes, yes. There are also some other cases. For example, the interactive projection. For sure, interactive projections is、uh, very popular, and、uh, normally, especially in our group training, when we have、uh, five students, normally we just、uh, compare that with the、uh, traditional treatment、uh, plan. So, if we ask them to sit in front of the table. They might、uh, not be、uh, very focused on what we are going to teach.、Uh, they may leave, they may run. But when we just、uh, turn on the interactive projection,、uh, we have five chairs in front of the floor screen.、Uh, they will just、uh, sit there, and when you call their name, and they will just uh, uh, you know enter into the playground area、uh, one by one. So we can actually teach them、uh, many things. So maybe even for different levels of students,、uh, they can participate in same interactive、uh, activity, but we can teach them different things. So for someone, maybe for their you know keep their balance, or some, for someone maybe to teach them the color, and for someone maybe we teach them to、uh, how to pronounce the colors or or something. So it's a、uh, it's just in one group training. So we can try to achieve different purpose or target. And I can imagine that having interactive technology motivates the kids to want to learn. Yes. And it grabs their attention. Yes. Right. And I really like that 3D mapping room. That's a great way to generalize skills in different environments too. Yes. What are the age ranges you work with now? From two to eight. So most of them from two to eight. Okay, what services are available for adults with autism in China? Well,、uh, can I say that that's almost a zero?、Mm. Only some parents.、Uh, what I know is that there are some parents. They just、uh, try their best to、uh, you know organize、uh, some adults, some some families、uh, they know. So maybe they can just、uh, open a small coffee shop. Or maybe they just send them to some organization which is organized by the government, so they can send them to work there. But what I know is that there is no uh, systematic uh, supporting system for the adults.、Mm-hmm. I imagine your technology being very useful for teaching vocational skills.、Mm-hmm. Yes. Like a simulation of a coffee shop that they're working at, or. Whatever skills they need to learn and develop could be done in a three D room and eventually generalized to the real environment. Yes, yes, because we don't need them to wear any glasses, so that would be better for them to get familiar with the、uh, with the environment. Do parents get involved in the training and the therapy? Do they come to the center and work with the kids in those different media?s Uh, well, no. Because、uh, you know, we just want the children to be、uh, independent in our、uh, training course. But anyway, we have plan for the parents. Okay. Because in China, you know, normally the grandparents will take care of the children's daily life. So normally, that's the grandmother or grandpa. They send children to centers, to our center. So for the young parents, that we. Give them different type of training or support, 
we call it parallel education. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a program for them. We give them training. Uh, so the training is for free. And uh, so we also give them some training plan. Or it's just like homework they can do. And so they can receive the program. They can receive the individual education program on their mobile phone or any mobile devices. And they can implement that at home. It could be just maybe two minutes uh, or could be uh, five minutes because uh, most of the parents they still need to work. In China, that most uh, uh, families, both mother and father, they need to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can earn money. And then when they return home, normally, you know, they will be very tired. So our plan won't occupy them too much time. But all the things they have done on the children that they can uh, take pictures or they can uh, start a video and they can upload that through their mobile phone to a platform. So the teachers on our side will be able to review that. And then we can make a something like what we call is just like a diary for the kids. So they can review that and we can review that and we can give some comments, we give reply to them. So it's just like they, they can have a a home teacher or home doctor can give them a one-on-one support because each center will have some limit to serve other cities' families. And uh, even though that we have students uh, from different cities come to the rent apartment near the center, but we still want to give them a cost-effective way. So uh, in this case, we use a parallel education app to give the remote support. So that's actually helped a lot when the coronavirus came mm-hmm. for a couple of months ago. For example, in, in our new center in Changzhou. Uh, yeah, the center just opened for two months. And then it, it's just like a sudden death for, for all the schools and centers because of the coronavirus. All the parents, they have to stay at home and they even don't know how to do that. So... I just told the center's administrator, the clinical director, I just asked him not to file anyone because we need to keep all the teachers on their duty. And meanwhile, uh, we need to give one month free training to all the parents, all the uh, 30 parents. So we forced them to implement our training program, the parents only. So... Luckily, they all followed our suggestion. So one month later, we began to charge them a little bit. So the, all of them just paid for the service. So in this case, the teachers will get a better payment. All of our staff will get better payment. And uh, so they can get also very good progress. So all the parents, they, get, they were getting more and more professional. And they can some some of them even can take data on their own because most of those uh, children just use a VB map assessment. Mm-hmm. So we also teach the parents how to take data. Uh, some of them you can do that. Yeah, that's really empowering for the parents too. Yes, to be able to see their child's progress. Do they normally pay out of pocket, or does the government help with funding? Uh, well, in China, we do have government funding, but it less than $200 per month. Still depends on where you are. 
So for some cities, they can give about uh, $400 a month, but that's a maximum as far as I know. For most cities, you can get uh, an RMB is about uh, 1,200 RMB, so that will be less than $200 okay. uh, per month. Yeah, but you need to apply and you know you need to pay that first and then you get reimbursement from the government. I see. So you mentioned the coronavirus, and I want to talk about how that has affected your center and impacted the services you offer. So just to give the listeners some context, we are recording this on March 26th. And for me here in Spain, this is the 14th day we've been on mandated lockdown. So could you tell us the current situation where you are in China? Yeah, because, you know, in China, because China is very big, the province called uh, Hubei was a center for this coronavirus pandemic. But we are in different province. Uh, we're at the eastern part, not in the center part of China. So we actually, we're all good. We don't have uh, many uh, patients. And uh, right now that we are almost zero, we've been in zero increment, let's say, for more than 10 days. Mm-hmm. So we're not in lockdown status, but in Hubei province, uh, yeah, almost we'll, there will be a step for free <laughs> two weeks later. So also for all the schools and uh, centers will be opened within one month. Okay, so you are not on lockdown, but you were forced to close your center. Yeah, for the centers that's already been closed from the end of January, all the schools and the centers were uh, asked to close. So. It's not opened yet, but it will be opened uh, within one month. Okay. And you said that you didn't want to fire any of your staff. Mm-hmm. Have they all been working with your students doing remote therapy? Yes. Because, you know, uh, we spent a lot of time training our teachers. Now, also, you know, we worked a lot. We worked closely with uh, Global Autism Projects that you sent uh, BCBAs, RBTs to China to help us. So, yeah, for those teachers, well, they are very unique. Uh, we, we really want to keep our team. Mm-hmm. And we also know that uh, without them, we're nothing. So we won't fire anybody. But they will just bring some financial uh, problem for us. But we, we, really, we really need to do that, uh, no matter what kind of way, but we need to keep the team. How many staff members do you have? Uh, we currently have around 10 to 15 teachers in each center. So right now we have uh, more than 40, 40 teachers in China. And did the government in China provide any support to small businesses? so that you can stay afloat during this time? Yes, we have less tax. and We have less fees. That's really saved, I can say, 20 or 30% of your monthly expense. So that's something good. But we still need to pay rental, and we still need to pay some basic salary for sure. But that's already very good. Mm-hmm. When you open the center again in a few weeks, right? Yes. April 7th? 
Yes. Do you imagine that you'll be able to continue where you left off? Or how do you imagine starting the center again? Well, I think that will be uh, just as usual. Also, I can see that we will have uh, many more students in the near future. Because we also work closely with hospitals, with doctors. Because we know that there were also some um, parents. They brought their uh, children to hospitals to get diagnosis. But after the diagnosis, because of all the centers uh, are closed, so they cannot send the children to, to anywhere. So they're also waiting for the centers to be opened. Mm-hmm. So I can see that we will have more inquiries or we will have more students. And uh, I can also see that we need to hire more teachers as well. Now that the parents have been working with their kids at home, how do you think this is going to affect the children's progress once they start coming to the center again? I think that the parents, they will be, uh, they will be better understand how everything works. So they will know that uh, what the teacher um, taught in the center before. So they will understand, oh, actually, there was something they can do. And so they will, you know, not simply see some, uh, something on the, on the paperwork, but they can also understand the theory behind what we are working in. And so, yeah, I think there will also be better uh, communication between parents and our teachers. And also, they know uh, what kind of service is uh, professional. I also believe that they will introduce, they will refer more parents to our center. Mm -hmm. Are you keeping the parents connected during these times? Yes, always. Because in China, most of the parents use WeChat as their main social media. So uh, we just give them notification or uh, communications through the through the social media platforms, because most of them are using our um, remote services. So the teachers just uh, uh, kept uh, communicating with them to supervise them to implement the home training. But I can feel that the, most of the parents they feel you know they, they felt uh, very tired. They felt very tired, and they know how much effort the teachers in the center, they spent on their children. And uh, uh, yeah, they can feel for that. Uh, I can also know that most of the parents, they just want to send the children to the center, but they won't give up home training. They will find the best way to keep the balance. Mm, interesting. Where do you see U Plus in the next few years? Are you working on any new technology? Uh, yes, I can see that we are going to work with government closely to give the uh, training to more teachers. And we also are going to implement the remote supporting system to uh, more families. Uh, you know, is there are also many, many families they may live in, uh, in some small cities, small towns. It will be pretty hard for them to find the professional uh, centers they can have or special education schools. So maybe the online service will be the unique way, or maybe they will just bring them the hope. So that's what we're going to work with the government to promote the systems to give the help to to them. And uh, meanwhile, we're also going to uh, have more centers 
As for the technologies, I think the current technologies will be good enough. Uh, but the, the the first target for us is to uh, build as many content as we can. Because in Chinese, uh, for example, that we need more contents. Like we need to teach them Chinese characters, the words. That will be uh, a huge work to do because we have a more and more uh, students. They they just uh, growing up, but maybe they cannot uh, reach the level to go to schools, to elementary school. So uh, it will be better for us. We can teach them more. Uh, some uh, academic uh, things that we can teach them, so that will just uh, you know force us to build more content for these students. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but we will also just try to you know invite more BCBAs to implement the technologies for research purpose uh, to make everything be you know more efficient in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay, Michael, we're going to have to wrap up here in a little bit. But right now in the U.S., there are a lot of ABA centers that are deciding how they can move towards a telehealth model while keeping their staff, and some are being forced to lay people off. Some people are losing their jobs. And I was wondering if you had any advice for owners of the ABA centers who may be struggling during this time of uncertainty. Well, actually, that's the same thing uh, we are facing. Because uh, the end of last year, we also opened a, a center, ABA center in Las Vegas. Because mm. you know, then we have more American professionals can take care of the locals and also for the Chinese uh, parents uh, and also for centers. So. We didn't find anyone either. We also even sent a letter to clinical directors and also to all the uh, RBTs that, because in China we have a famous sentence is that the methods or the ways will be always more than uh, difficulties. So the telehealth it will be something uh, very good for the families, and meanwhile. Uh, we can also see that the U.S. government also passed a bill. Uh, hopefully, the president will sign the song and also pass the house, the house right? Mm-hmm. And that will also give some financial support to all the employees. And meanwhile, what we know is that uh, technology will help uh, for sure. That's something we have already done. And uh, I do believe that will also work in, in states as well. And also, I what I know is that Instead, there will be uh, there will be more technology be applied than China actually, and uh, yeah, I think everything will be fine pretty soon. Uh, that right now is a is a darkest uh, moment, but we can see great future very very soon. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, very confident about that. Mm-hmm. That's reassuring hearing it from someone in China who has passed the storm. Already, yeah, yeah, almost passed. <laughs> almost passed. You're seeing some light through the clouds, some sunshine maybe on the other side. Yes. All right, Michael. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today, and please continue your amazing work. I would love to visit U Plus someday and step into yes one of your 3D rooms. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> and you know, I'm sending you. 
strength and courage as you finish out these last couple of weeks and prepare to open your center again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Take care. Okay, yeah, be safe. <laughs> Take care. Thank you for listening to Autism Knows No Borders. If you are one of the many ABA practitioners who are currently learning how to deliver services via telehealth, I hope you found encouragement in listening to Michael's story. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. Thanks for listening. Take care. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.